Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From whatever kind of art there is in technology, uh, I do think that's a little bit disappointing. It's a shame when we see that sort of lack of creativity. More from Mr. Luke Westaway later as we discuss the great iPhone clone debate of 2015 and 2014 and 2013 and 2012, 2011. Basically, it's a long-standing clone debate. Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. And we are starting with this week's picks from the UK Tech News. I want to start with something that doesn't affect me or probably Ian in the slightest. <laughs> no, it, do- it doesn't affect me at all. Does affect quite a few people. This is the news that The Sun, that's the website, not the giant ball of hydrogen and helium in the sky, is scrapping its paywall and offering most of the content on its website for free. This is something I read first on The Guardian by Mark Sweeney. And this is a decision that News UK, which uh, publishes the Sun website as well as The Times and The Sunday Times, um, it's taken this decision likely because the paywall has effectively made the website uncompetitive against rivals that do not have paywalls because a lot of the content that is behind The Sun's paywall is not exclusive to The Sun. Therefore, people can simply get the same news elsewhere. Um, This also follows the news that Rebecca Brooks, uh, just to talk in uh, media world for a moment, returned as the chief executive of News UK after she was cleared of all charges so the website is going to scrap its paywall now it's been a couple of years i think that the paywall has been active it was known at the time that traffic plummeted uh, when the paywall went up and it had the sun plus feature that uh, i think was something like a pound a week access to the uh, to the website and i think subscribers to the paper got access for free as well a um, bit of a u-turn this and i think this sends quite a big message the sun is one of the most popular um, websites in the UK. It's the biggest selling tabloid that was, um, uh, well, it's the biggest selling tabloid. And um, so I think this sends quite an industry message that paywalls, at least for the Sun's type of content, not good. Ian, <laughs> are you surprised? Um, I don't know if I'm surprised or not, really. Um, I mean, from a news perspective, the Sun is a fairly unremarkable uh, publication really i mean i don't think they do anything that isn't available widely elsewhere um the the audience for the sun is you know one buying into the perhaps the contributors you know jeremy clarkson writes for the sun doesn't he and um and a few other people with uh you know either slightly uh views that i would consider tasteless <laughs> or um in some cases completely xenophobic but um, I, I, whether or not you could persuade the audience of the Sun to pay for us a, a website, I think is probably pushing it a bit. I think that probably the audience of the Sun is the, by the paper. It's still the number one paper, isn't it? I believe it is. The, well, it's the biggest selling tabloid. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, from that perspective, I just, I just don't think that the people who buy the paper have that much interest in, um, you know, going online. Uh, that I believe you get it free if you buy the paper anyway. I don't know how that works. I, I, can you tell? I don't buy and never will 
or have bought the sun. I could not care less if the whole thing disappeared tomorrow. I, I mean, I, I, I generally speaking, I, I, I would disagree in the. I mean, I don't read it and I don't care um, about the website in terms of its content. But I think that it, these sorts of websites are extremely popular. The paper is very popular. So I think you have to look at what the website's doing as something of you know it's going to lead others to think about how they run their businesses yeah and it's going to force people to think about how they consider paying for content the the sun having a paywall that would consider successful would say a lot because if it managed to get a large number of people we believe that uniques to the website is about a million Mm. uh, at least in september and it was about 30 million um and that's daily 30 yeah, million but, i mean if, if a million before well, the paywall i mean that's a, that's a drop that's a huge drop no it doesn't matter i mean if if uh, the thing is i don't believe that a million of those people were paying i think if if you could make a million people pay a pound even a pound a month that would that would be your news operation for online sorted at least wouldn't it? i mean okay that's not the whole um you know that won't fund a paper but it would it would certainly mean that the website on its own would be profitable yes yeah, so um, although but bear in mind i mean that's not all content that is being paid for the sun has for quite a while now offered certain articles for free so it's allowing certain certain articles that need to be seen in order to be shared because like many publications the content is your best advertisement well this is the thing as well you've got to remember that um it was becoming quite obvious that the sun wanted to have its big audience but also wanted to get people to pay um and what um a lot what was that ending up happening was that certain launches like they they did a, a car section and they basically put that outside the, the paywall because they realized that you can't run a, it was it was just like a classified thing and stuff like that um but of course you you need a big audience for that to work so they've obviously realized that for actually quite a lot of what they do is it is will be more successful reaching a larger audience and earning less for it but be that through advertising or special deals um i I mean honestly i don't think paywalls are a great idea um i think there are i think there are better ways of getting your content out there that said of course i don't object to paywalls i think i think that if you can make them work for you then brilliant um i just tend to not use sites with paywalls i'd rather and i've turned my my ad blocker is still off by the way i've been struggling with this for weeks now um but you know if, if that's how we have to pay for stuff then so be it I think that there's a big difference between when a paywall can work and when it can't work. And I think one of the the key things that anyone has to think about with a paywall is, obviously, do you have something that no one else has that people really value? Which I know sounds really breasts. simple. Well, but, no, but, but breasts are free on the internet. I mean, that's Playboy, exactly it, isn't it? Playboy recently has said it's going to stop... Um, publishing a lot of the, the the sort of nude photos and you know kind of soft core porn stuff because there's no point because you can it's yeah. not it, you don't need that anymore it's it's just, there's every sex act on the internet i think was the, yeah. the, the the quote um for free so why would you need to have that in a magazine and pay for it but i think on, on the web you need to be it needs to be something of a service or a utility or there's got to be something that you're getting that that you can't just have someone else rip off which means that it needs to be something that is uniquely yours and i don't know what the sun had that was uniquely theirs i don't it turns out i don't think there was enough there that was uniquely theirs but it makes me think a lot about where paywalls or, or registration walls can work. And I think the biggest advantage that any publisher has, and this is something I think we have to see as being the future of media, at least certain types of media, is it's the cross-platform device. It's 
personalization. And frankly, if you ask many publishers, you are more valuable to many publishers if you if you allow a publisher to know more about you and to be able to target you with better advertising, you are more valuable than just paying a pound because you can be sold for a lot more than that. Yeah. So if you've got a cross-platform play or you've got many different services on many different platforms, I think it is far better to get people registering with you and have your personalization, customization be passed around different platforms and allow the content to be tailored for you based on what devices you're on, what you've read earlier that morning, let's say, on a different device. And that's that's something that will get people registered and maybe that in itself helps you make more money on the advertising front. Europe is to abolish mobile phone roaming charges. Hooray! Yeah! It's time to get out your latex and get an inflating. Oh, that's balloons. <laughs> Actually, what are balloons made of? Um, it's not latex, is it? Anyway, no, basically, I, well, it's that's... cake and jelly time. Um, this is news that uh, MEPs have pushed through legislation that will cut fees for use of mobiles when travelling within the EU. So as long as we stay in it, um, which means that you'll be able to use your data and your calls and things um, for no extra charge, or certainly if there is an extra charge, uh, it is capped to an extremely low low rate. Um, This is going to be in power or in force from 2017, from the summer, so just in time for your summer holidays. Now, we've all heard these horror stories, horror stories, of people coming back to £6,000 bills. It's great if you're a, a tabloid because you get to post a picture of a sad family <laughs> holding up a piece of paper um, that has it says something like, my, you know, and it's great because you can use the same picture for bill shock, which is what this is colloquially called in the publishing world, and, uh, and in-app payments. You can use the same. It's great, brilliant value for journalism because you can use the same picture of the sad family um, for in-app payments and for bill shock. Yeah, and crikey, if you are overseas and you're running up a bill by in-app payments from Candy Crush oh. or things, then good lord, get yourself to your nearest tabloid journalist because they will pay you literally tens of pounds it's, for your story. It's a dream come true, isn't it? It is. But this is great news, right? And this means we can go abroad and we can we can we can use our phone in in gay Paris, in uh, the deep absinthe bars of Berlin, um, <laughs> for no additional charge. Which in those two examples, fantastic news for me. Yeah, um, it it is. Um, I just I've just been to Berlin, where well done, um, where th- where three at home doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. And um, and I can tell you that my experience of paying for mobile data on three in Germany was utterly miserable. Mm. Um, you know, I paid five pounds a day, which is extortion for unlimited data, and um, and there was nothing unlimited about my data. I mean, if I could bet, if I could persuade it to do anything on the internet, it was a miracle. So you found that poor. Well, you're not going to have to do that again, Chief. Well, no, but that's the thing. It doesn't matter to me. I'd rather pay for good service than not pay for rubbish service. Because ultimately, what I need is the service. I don't, I, I'm not, you know, this is the problem. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky now. I'm, I'm getting on a bit. I've I've been working a while. I have Mate, you're salary. about 30. 30- 
five. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not, get, I'm not getting on. That. Well, it is. But, but you know, but the, the point is really that I've earned money and I'm now in a position where I, I value being connected while I'm away a lot more than I value the five pounds that it costs me. But... When that five pounds is based, I mean, so I looked on the iPhone and I had managed to transfer a grand total of three hundred and eighty megabytes in the in the weekend. Now, uh, that might sound like a reasonable amount, but it, it, the experience of it was just horrible. It was so slow, and this is a service you're paying for. At, at, at what I would say is a is a really you know a, a quite a hefty rate. Um, so I think what's probably going to happen is that we're just going to see really terrible service and i think that what what will end up be, becoming true is that um mobile operators will simply offer a premium tier so they'll so they'll still they'll still get their money and it's, and, and to be honest with you I kind of get that. If if three had offered a six pound <laughs> deal for you know an extra you know bit of speed I'd have paid it. I it was just so frustrating having paid 5 pounds a day to to experience such slow internet access i was just like this is just a waste of my time and in fact my money so i might write to them and say i want my money back but you know that I, is very interesting but that you can is, see that it is, happening right i can yes of course well obviously any ability to upsell i completely agree god can you imagine if that happens because what you'll see is 3g access everywhere and then 4G upgrades paid, for yeah. 4g that's going to require individual deals with networks. So, but here's the other here's the other little spanner in the works here because this applies to the EU. What happens? Let's just say that our our good friend Cameron holds his <laughs> referendum about the UK's inclusion in the EU, and let's just say that the vote says he's mandated should... to hold the referendum. By the way, he can't not now. So. Well, what I was getting at is basically yeah. if it comes out that we are to leave the EU and the UK no longer is in the EU, then A, no, that will not affect us at home. But would that affect the ability for UK citizens to use this flat rate EU mandated mobile phone tariff law in other countries yeah. when we are not obligated to provide it in return to other citizens of the EU? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say, no, probably not. <laughs> they prob- not. They'll probably say, you can bollocks. You're not in the EU anymore. Pay us a fee. No, I suspect, because it, it doesn't really work like that. The, th- the thing is, it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, the, the fact is that my understanding of roaming is the following. The providers um, who... You know, so your provider, say we're say we're on three, um, they um, they don't pay a lot of extra, if any, for roaming, uh, and the agreement is reciprocal, so it allows, and that's why roaming agreements existed. So three would say have an agreement in the US with AT and T and T Mobile, say, um, and then those two companies would be allowed to for people to come over to the UK, and they would be allowed to use three, and because the costs involved in it are so absolutely tiny for the providers, you're talking about data transit, so it's it's essentially. Free apart from the cost of putting the network in in the first place and powering it you know data doesn't cost anything anymore um so essentially that it's just a massive profit center for them Hmm. um so text messaging all over again it is text i mean text messaging is the biggest joke in technology history if you ask me i mean you're you know you're sending what three bytes of information and you're being charged 12p for it you scale it up it's astronomical well it is and actually if if you there was some calculations done that um at at least around the time the iphone came out if you sent a text if you sent the same amount of um if you basically if if you sent a megabyte of text messages 
um, the cost of those texts <laughs> would work out at costing you a thousand pounds. It's per, a joke. per megabyte it was because a joke. of the markup, yeah. But of course, they've, they've basically killed their own market because the reason WhatsApp exists is that people wanted a more diverse form of messaging, but they also didn't want to pay for messages. They didn't want to have to, you know, have you ever seen a kid text message? I mean, it's phenomenal. They, it's, these, we're talking about messages going between people at a rate that you would that would really make you scare yourself if it's, you Yeah, I, I, in, I, I've paying. seen some figures and it, it's, it's, it can be hundreds of messages a day. Yeah. But I think the other thing that was a problem is that it didn't uh, MMS messaging and SMS messaging were always segregated into two different yeah. camps and I think that they could have probably done something to help themselves by allowing all messages to cost the same where you know effectively a message is a message whether it's got a video a picture or a text in it or not because that was one of the biggest advantages I think of something like WhatsApp is that it allowed you not only to send text which was you know a commodity by that point anyway uh, and but it allowed you to send photos without sending a 25p MMS yeah. and I think if they'd have done that a bit sooner they probably would have had a little bit more time charging through the nose for texts well i think the roaming the roaming stuff is good no one's really going to complain about this uh being a good thing and i agree this is opening up i well actually to be perfectly honest with you i actually think is a good thing i think it's i i'm actually in agreement with the ability to use basic data while i'm abroad because at least then i can load as long as i can load maps and i can load email and i can send calls and use skype for example then <laughs> skype well i mean right, maybe not as a messaging skype. client you could but all right yeah i mean as long as i can stay in touch and i want to upgrade to be able to use high speed 4g i just think that's great I, yeah. i'm genuinely in favor of of that as a, as a as a as a premium option because that allows other networks to reinvest yeah. and that will ena- enable better networks for everybody i don't want two tiered i don't want any tiered internet it should be net it should be neutral you shouldn't be able to get faster internet if you're browsing certain partnered sites, for example. Yeah, but haven't they just shouted down net, net neutrality in Europe anyway? That's one thing they didn't go for, wasn't it? I'm still going to believe that that's something <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Well, yeah, what, net neutrality should or shouldn't? Net neutrality should happen. Yeah, But, I agree, but being but... able to pay for high-speed service in other countries, I think, as long as it's reasonably priced, is is good for the industry, as long as... It's not as long as you're not able to get high speed on certain yeah, things. I agree. Um, in in well, advance of that, although having said that, that you know that throttling is a part of it now because three make it quite clear when you uh, roam in uh, Germany that you will not be able to use services as quickly as you can at home, and they are they, and they target VPN for that um, because they know, and you know and things like Netflix. I mean, I mean you wouldn't be able to watch Netflix roaming. It's just not possible, even but if you are not, on unlimited data. But that's, oh. not, that's, not too, that's not tiering, because that's not, that's not saying if you use Three's video service, you can get much faster access to all this, no. although they well, probably do do that. Look, well, I think we've, we've probably pushed yeah, this conversation possibly. as far as we can, but I'm very keen to hear from other people what your experiences are roaming and what would make you pay for faster roaming overseas. Obviously, if you don't travel very often, probably less of an issue but I, I know that a lot of people listening do travel a lot so i want to hear from you and whether you agree with anything we've just said and whether a tiered internet a a, a non-neutral internet um could be beneficial you know let us know podcast at natelangson.com couple of pieces of feedback before we get into our uh, discussion segment around the cloning of phones and whether HTC shamelessly ripped off the design 
of the iPhone 6, like a dirty thieving scoundrel of a business, which are softer terms than I have seen used in comment sections on the internet over the last week, or whether Apple took its thieving ways and applied them to HTC and actually ripped off HTC's design from the HTC One a few years ago. Also seen many angry articles about that as well. We're gonna to come to that. But first, an apology. Because last week, in the discussion that I had with uh, Philippa War about esports and about the uh, FA Cup final and its viewership compared with um, the final of the League of Legends Championship, I did, I think, make a gaff or a guff. <laughs> a ga- it's a gaff. I think I screwed up in in my uh, in my wording, and a, a few people got in touch very politely to. Um, point out that, uh, and I'm going to read the words of someone, one of the people who got in touch, Stephen, who said, just been listening to text message 37, where you compared the viewership of last year's League of Legends final, 27 million, to the 9 million who watched the FA Cup final on the BBC. And I don't think this was a fair comparison. The 27 million for League of Legends seemed to be a global audience, whereas obviously the BBC primarily broadcasts to the UK. I could not quickly find global audience figures for the FA Cup final, but this Sky Sports article, and he links to this, puts it at over a billion. While esports coverage is certainly growing, and there are more than enough viewers to make it a profitable business, it still doesn't come close to the viewership of football. Love the podcast. Thanks, Stephen. And uh, I should say thanks to you, Stephen, for pointing that out, as well as the other people who have. Um, definitely, that is... I was I was correct in the figures, but certainly in comparing the two, not a fair comparison. That would um, never have happened if I'd been on a show, mate. No, I have it? to say, to be honest, the, the daft thing is it shouldn't have happened when I was on because I knew that I was talking about UK live TV and comparing it to online live um, streaming for video games. And I definitely wasn't trying to say more people watch League of Legends than watch the FA Cup. I, I was giving... It was basically... It was a non sequitur. And but, I, uh, but it's more about the idea, the viability of you know uh, esports as as something that people are prepared to pay to watch, uh, or you know, uh, it's, that's a, 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 yeah, that's a big part of you know the new economy, if you will. And it's true, isn't it? But it's it just, is, yeah. It's and just, you you muffled the facts slightly. I I did, and uh, and and that's a shame. And incidentally, that's the kind of thing that gets you in trouble for libel on the internet. If you <laughs> if if you put a uh, a, a subheading. Uh, that says, seems to suggest one thing, and then you follow it up with something that you thought was completely irrelevant, but in actual fact, you know, suggests that someone's a paedophile or a murderer, <laughs> then uh, subheadings can get you into a lot of trouble, and non-sequiturs yeah. can get into a lot of trouble. And I'm very aware of that, so I'm very grateful to um, uh, to everyone who got in touch and was extremely polite about pointing out that, so thank you very much. Um, next email, um, we're going to do one more. We're going to get into... Uh, something from Mike, who says, Hi, Nathan Ian. I've just downloaded Plex, so that's the media streaming mm. app that we've talked about in the past, per your recommendation, and want to use it mainly for video content. I have set up a movies library and linked it to my iTunes movies folder, where I have a large number of films already. So, firstly, if I add more, will Plex pick these up? That's yes. the first question. That's yes. the, the first part of that is that the best thing about Plex really is that it, it monitors folders and, and you are, you have control over that. But um, uh, yes, it will it will detect changes and automatically update your library, which is brilliant. Excellent. Folder monitoring. Good. Yes. Um, the annoyance, um, Mike continues, 
is that I, whenever I rip my films to the iMac, I have to go through many stages to get it ready. Can you tell me the best way to get my DVD or Blu-rays onto the Mac with all the subtitles and metadata attached? I would be especially keen to know if there's a way to put a disc of a TV series in so it can pick up all the episodes without me having to do them one by one. Thanks for your time. Mike. Now, do you want to answer this or do you want me to? Well, I'm going to... I'm gonna, go. If you know the answer, I'm going to let you do it because I don't. And the reason I don't is that they've made this harder and harder and harder with each passing year because of DRM. Yes. Uh, you know, with DVDs used to be largely DRM. Well, not DRM free, but you could break with DRM. And then they basically added more and more layers to it to make it harder and harder. Um, Blu-ray has always been an extremely challenging problem when it comes to drm um and it's almost to the point where it's just wearisome and not worth bothering with um but of course people want to do it you want to have a media library people do not want to have discs it is a very simple request and digital downloads don't cut it because they're all drm'd too uh so nate if you know how to do it please do share well i'll tell you my way works for dvds and it's not perfect because as you've just pointed out drm makes a perfect solution to this pretty difficult um i use i use a couple of things and the main one i use is a tool called handbrake i was gonna say handbrake's very good isn't it now as long as you have the media player vlc uh video line client installed both of which are these tools that are both open source and they're both free to download as long as you have vlc installed and you download handbrake you can rip DVDs. I'm not 100% sure if it works with Blu-ray, but I imagine because it's open source, there are plugins and tools that allow it to work with Blu-ray. But on DVDs, in my experience, um, you can put that in into your iMac, and I have done this myself on a Mac, and rip all the episodes on the disc, including subtitles, including other audio tracks, so you can embed... Um, for example, director's commentary or other languages, if you want, and subtitles um, in the same go. And you can do it as a batch. So it will do, if you have four, six episodes on a disc, um, which was the case for me when I was doing a, a few rips um, a few years ago, you can uh, you can embed the subtitle files in there as well. And they will work on various devices. I've got those ones working on the Apple TV. So that that can work. For the Blu-ray way, to be honest, the most the easiest way to do it if you own the DVD is to download the damn thing and to hell with the law. Because <laughs> Couldn't I agree think, more. Because to be perfectly honest, I'm not trying to encourage piracy and I'm certainly not encouraging uploading. But these days, if you've just gone out and bought a Blu-ray and all you want to be able to do is put the Blu-ray on your phone, then it is such a massive pain in the ass that I think that, you know, the it law is... Be- it can be okay as long as you stick to one thing. So if you're if you're say if you're an iPhone user, then you get a digital download, and that's and that's valid in iTunes with a lot of Blu-ray purchases. Now that's great, excellent. Of course, that doesn't work on Android. So no. if you're an Android user, you're really scuppered. Um, so really, what what they need to do is they need to say, hey, uh, we you know we kind of accept the fact that people want to have a digital version of this file that they can watch on their TV and. It, and just sort it out because yeah. uh, you know I'm I'm like, I'm I'm with you you know it, it doesn't we don't need to recommend piracy in order to understand that piracy is sometimes the only way to achieve what you're trying to do here lawfully and, as well yeah, lawfully and if, if you bought if you bought a disc and I, so it's the time honoured um, problem of parents buy a DVD or a Blu-ray children get hold of it scratch the living hell out of it and then you've got a broken dvd if you go and buy it again um so that's our answer to you mike for how to do some of what you've requested but we put it out to the text message community um if you have a good way of doing what we have suggested for dvd for blu-ray um that does not 
circumvent the uh, certain ridiculous legal status of uh, format shifting that we have to suffer at the moment, then uh, please let us know. Podcast at NateLangson.com. Um, our flap is open. We went, We welcome your entry. Okay, let's get to our main topic of discussion for this week. This is going to be a controversial one. This is the one where the fanboys on either side of the Android or iPhone fence uh, get irate, their faces redden, their pitchforks come out, and my word, do their topics, or rather, do their choice of words get unpublishable, frankly. Some (laughs) of the comments I've seen in the cesspit of internet comments forms over the last week while frankly amused i am because i love watching people get irate over something that basically doesn't Doesn't matter matter. (laughs) um it 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 does it's a great talking point and it's a great thing to talk about the industry so here here's what we're going to talk about a couple of weeks ago htc showed off a new phone called the htc one a9 we've got one here ian has one with him there yeah and while we could talk about how it is very expensive for what is essentially a mid-range phone <laughs> it's extremely expensive you know it's over 400 quid for a sort of it's not in the it's in the higher end of mid-range but it's still a mid-range android phone um it's over 400 quid and is twice as expensive as the Motorola equivalent, which, frankly, I think most tech journalists would advise from a cost perspective alone. Um, the phone otherwise is is perfectly nice. Um, but the thing that really caught my attention was the heated debate about HTC blatantly ripping off the iPhone 6. It's difficult to put this in visual terms because we are an audio-only podcast, but if you're on a device, a phone, or you're in front of a computer or something right now, and you're not familiar with the design of the HTC One A9, just type this into your favorite search engine, um, you know, DuckDuckGo, Dogpile, Lycos, you you know, the popular ones. Uh, (laughs) Type that in now. Um, HTC One A9 iPhone comparison and uh, just have a look at some of the the photos that come up there are some very obvious points of comparison to how this phone looks it does look very similar to the iphone 6s whether you're looking at the antenna bands around the back whether you're looking at the fact the camera has a raised bezel which no one even on the iphone side liked when apple did that for the first time Um, whether you look at the speaker grill the positioning of um the the fingerprint sensor in the in the um, touch button like there are lots of reasons for this phone to look like to use a quote commonly used on the internet this week a blatant ripoff shameless copying I can get on board with that now on the other side of the fence there is HTC's chief. Uh, or senior executive of, of HTC who came out and said we're not copying we made a unibottle unimodi I'll try again. Unibody metal clad phone in 2013. It's Apple that copies us in terms of the antenna design on the back. <laughs> now, that's Jack Tong uh, speaking there. And he was speaking to a website. Oh, he was speaking at an event that uh, once China Times has been quoted as being at. Uh, and this is the, the, the quote that came out of that. So he's saying, it ain't us that's copying. Apple copied us. And if you go back and look at the HTC One, it does indeed have the antenna design on the back prior to when Apple had it. The problem is, Jack very carefully said, it's Apple that copies us in terms of the antenna design on the back. 
So let's remove the antenna from the equation. Does the phone still look like a ripoff of an iPhone? I would argue yes. Many others have argued yes. And indeed, most smartphones these days do basically look like iPhones if you look at what the iPhone was when it first came out in 2007 and what other phones looked like at the time. And we'll all remember, of course, that... Um, when Apple sued Samsung over hardware and uh, sort of software patents, um, it won against Samsung's phones. Um, there was, I think, um, there were eight, was it ten, eight, eight or nine phones that Samsung uh, was, uh, it, it agreed that it infringed on. So that's that. iPhone set a trend for design and everyone has basically copied it. That's is where I'm leaving what I'm saying is the obvious stuff because you can kind of put them side by side and ask any layman, do these two things look very similar? And you would say, yes. The question I want to know, I want to answer is as follows. A, does this matter? And B, what does Apple copy from the other way around? Because I remember in one of the releases of iOS, I think it might have been iOS 5 or 6, the pull-down drawer from the top of the iPhone for the notification center is, to anyone's eyes, a blatant copy of what Android had had for ages. And again, there are tons of features in the iPhone that Apple has obviously taken cues and taken out of the Android world. So it does work in both directions frequently. But we have to question whether this matters. You know, is this generally making the industry better? Is it is is everyone copying everyone actually just a good thing? And we're all getting better phones and we're all making better products and the world is getting better, cheaper devices as a result of doing what everyone's doing. Ian, I have spoken now for about three minutes. <laughs> sick of my own voice. Please give me your dulcet tones, your beautiful voice Thanks, on this topic. Very kind. Um yeah, um, I don't really care anymore. Great, um, well, that's that sort of. <laughs> yeah, excellent debate, uh, very enjoyable. I just, I mean, I, I can see, boys, I can see both sides of the argument. Yes, it's absolutely correct and factually right to say that HTC had those antenna bands first. Of course, there are only a certain amount of ways you can do antenna bands. Uh, obviously, Apple was quite badly burnt by Antenna Gate, um, and I, I think so as a result, it has gone through quite a cautious process of having perhaps more antenna gapping than it needs. Uh, if you look at the back of a Samsung phone, and completely unbroken by antenna design, so it is possible but, uh, to it do is, it. It is, but Apple, but they use plastic. They do. They do. It's yes, different once you use metal. Well, yes, that's true, isn't it? But is the internals? Of, no, it's, the Samsung doesn't have a, a, an all metal body, does it? It has a. It has glass and um, an internal plastic. Yes, that's true. Um, and so yes, but that's only one factor. I mean, that's antenna band. You can remove yes. the antenna band thing from this entire debate and look at the two phones side by side. Well, there are certainly other ways of doing an antenna band anyway, if you wanted to. Um, yeah, but and, it's not just the antenna band. I think that no. some some people pointed out things like you know the choice of colours they've made and and the yeah. the difference in colour between the colour of the phone and the and then the the, the matching colour of the band are all the same across all the devices as Apple did. You know, all of the, some of these design cues, you can, if you, They're and I've done this in Photoshop, basically. I was going to tweet it, and I thought this looks a little bit sarcastic, so I decided not to, to post it. But I just did this little Photoshop thing where I took out the logos of the iPhone, off the back of the phone and the back of HTC's phone, moved HTC's camera into the middle, <laughs> and honestly, they look damn near identical absolutely ridiculously similar you should have just tweeted a photo of the bottom mate because then you could it's quite clear that it's not an apple phone because it's not straight but samsung did the same thing on the s6 
Or is it their six edge? If you yeah. look at the, the speaker grills, the way that everything's laid out. Yeah, dots, obviously, isn't it? There it's... are only certain numbers of ways. But it's like, look, if you want to put yourself in the firing line, just do something that doesn't make a difference. You know, make them triangular holes, make them square holes. You know, do something that at least separates it because ah. it just is, it mate, looks shameless. And it's a shame of... when you see it because I they're good that... phones. That's part of the problem, though. There are only a certain amount of ways of doing things. And, um, you know, and, and to machine a hole, well, you know, it's it's going to be much more cost effective to, and stronger to drill a hole rather than make a triangle or slat it. Or, you know, it, it all becomes quite difficult to, to make differentiations because ultimately machining works in a certain way and certain things work and certain things don't work. And structurally, you have to be quite careful. But... As I get older, and I know I keep talking about how I am getting older, but when you wake up in the morning and you can't move your back, you do start to realise a few things. And one of those things is that none of this matters. They're all going to copy each other because those designs work. That's what people like. You look at, I looked at the HTC phone when they showed it off to us. I was like, yeah, that's a really nice looking phone. I'm not surprised you designed it like that. And I look at the iPhone, I think, yeah, that's a really nice looking phone. I'm not surprised you designed it like that. And there aren't very many ways yet that you can make a phone look different now if the rumors are to be believed come next year samsung will release a bending phone and we'll be we'll be starting all this again because there'll be a whole new set of things and it's going to happen isn't it that the phone technology is such a Phones make all of the money for Apple. Like Apple's entire profit base is is iPhone, isn't it's it? It's not really? all. Well, it's no, about, know, it's but, about seventy percent. But that's. A, I mean, we're talking about you know billions and billions of pounds a year. They yeah. have to keep iPhone as I've just I've dropped the the. I'm becoming an, some sort of drone. They because <laughs> obviously Apple never you know uses the does it? No, it um, doesn't. It doesn't need to. It's no, just iPhone. It is just iPhone. But the the iPhone um, obviously is. they have to keep making it sell and they're going to have to change it you know eventually there's going to come a point where things are going to have to move on or people are not going to upgrade because this these phones are so good so ultimately it doesn't matter none of it matters it's that we've got great phones we should be very pleased about it the the fact is that when you go on i mean i i've i've just um i'm just about to publish my iphone 6 review actually 6s review actually and um and one of the things i note in the review is it's impossible to review a device these days without getting one or other groups coming at you and saying you're biased you love this thing because ultimately everyone sort of picks a side now and as i age i'm like i don't want to pick a side i can actually appreciate the fact that i have um a galaxy s6 edge which i adore and i have the iphone which i adore um and i could switch in and out of those two phones every day and be perfectly happy you know i've you know i've got an apple watch and i've got the samsung gear s2 i i can you know mix and match things and be very satisfied with both of those products without the need to, you know, feel that one is, you know, I mean, obviously they both do things differently, but they're both great. Um, Of course, I am in a minority there. Most people don't have the luxury of doing that and they have to buy a product. And when you buy a product, you invest a lot of money in it. And when you invest a lot of money in something, you don't want to think that you've made the wrong decision. And that leads you to go online and pointlessly call the other side a bunch of names. And I've done it myself. I'm not perfect, but ultimately the psychology of humanity means that we're doomed and it's a never end. And there we go. Well, on that 
Brilliant. <laughs> You're only two seconds away from talking about the death clock, whatever it's called, sort of seven minutes to midnight, yeah. um, end of the world and nuclear winter. But let's not go down that phone. I mean, personally, I think HTC could have done itself a favour by just not by picking some different colours and charging less. Hey, their red one is actually lovely and um, and their gold one is very procedural. But, that, you know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Actually, that would have been a good differentiator. And also the, the thing that they've done that is actually quite noticeable is that they have paired the dark colour with black on the front. And mm. going for that black, it's very, it's, it's actually interesting when you look around at people's phones and you look at the iPhones that people carry around and you know, and that's, it's such a distinctive look that actually that would have made far more difference than the antenna design, which of course HTC claims to have done first, which is fine. But yeah, well, yeah. HTC did do it first they in, that, in, that, I mean, in, in this it, context, they did and do it, it And first. in fact, preempting the question that they knew they were going to get asked at the UK press launch, they had all of the previous phones and said, hey, I'll take a picture of all these phones with the antennas on the back. And so I did, dutifully, yes. like a good boy. And, and yeah, they're right. But yeah. Well, I think, I, think, I think the other thing to think about is that in the real world, the real world. Now, this yeah. is outside of the top 1% of people, uh, not by quality of life or earnings. I'm talking about tech journalists, people who vehemently will defend the company they adore at the expense of all others in internet commenting. Uh, the 99% the of people who just want a phone, it doesn't matter. Right. I have to conclude, all these devices, they're all fine. They're all fine. And we get very hot under the collar talking about this because we like to see companies competing. We like to see people getting things right and wrong and innovating. And so it is good for us to care about this and keep talking about it and keep communicating it. But I think we have to be very realistic that in the real world, down at the phone shops, what people really care about is does the phone do what I want it to do? And does it cost the right amount of money? And that's where I think that most of the phones that are out now are all basically fine. And we need to keep that in mind when we're talking to people about it. They're all fine. And if you're a person who can't afford a high-end phone and you went out and you buy a £200 phone that we would talk about it's a clone it's a ripoff of xyz and they take it home and get it as a present and unwrap it and hold it in their hands they love it and we have to keep that in mind because to be fair though, and that's this what is, matters this is relevant um the one plus two or whatever it's called that that, that that that's a company that i don't have a huge amount of love for because i don't i don't i don't like the way they run the business i don't think i think it's annoying but that's a fairly different looking phone it, it doesn't just follow the trend it is designed to be unique um and so you know if and it's also extremely cheap so you've got well, that option yes. haven't and you? you and you said earlier that you're right there are only there are only so many things you can do with design well they're but rectangles I think, but I think, aren't they but i think they are they're, they're they're oblongs of um yeah they're, they're exactly made of glass and they're black slabs with no buttons on the front but you could say the same thing about music there's a limited number of notes yeah and and, and you what, can hear what, it i mean you, can, <laughs> you know what what makes a difference is is what you do with those notes and how you blend them together and you know if we're going to get a little bit pretentious the instrumentation that you choose but basically it's what you do with all those bits that makes things different and i think that it could have really helped htc in this example to have done to have made some changes that at least make it stylistically different from the iphone to avoid some of this annoying controversy well, and to be honest also charge a bit less because frankly that's the biggest problem with this phone mm. is that it's not high end phone and it's got a high end price the problem I, is Nate they're, they're buggered that's the problem HTC doesn't have you know they're, they're just screwed they they aren't making money um, they have 
um, little idea about how to get themselves out of that hole. And so they have to basically do what they think they've got to do, which is essentially sell the phone that everyone wants, which is the iPhone, but cheaper. And it is cheaper than the iPhone. Technically, it is. And it's a very good point that you raise. And I want to use that as a segue into some commentary that I, I had. I caught up with Luke Westaway, who uh, writes for CNET, and he had some really interesting comments Well, the similarities are pretty striking. Uh, You can't really look at the new HTC phone, I think, without uh, thinking of the iPhone, especially if you have been exposed to the iPhone, if you've been using it for a long time, then they really look very, very similar. Now, from an intellectual point of view, from uh, from whatever kind of art there is in technology, uh, I do think that's a little bit disappointing. It's a shame when we see that sort of lack of creativity. So on, on that level, I think it is a little disappointing uh, for HTC, which in the past has been a, a company that has produced some really, really creative and very well-designed phones. However, on a purely business level... I do think it might be a smart move. We have seen HTC really, really struggle to compete with Apple and Samsung in the last few years. And I do believe that if people see this as something that is basically going to look exactly like the iPhone, but might be a bit cheaper, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Samsung a few years ago had enormous success, uh, basically very uh, lifting design elements, shall we say, from, from the early iPhones. And it used the momentum that it got from doing that and selling lots of phones to do something genuinely different with things like the Galaxy S3. So I would like to see uh, HTC use this as a potentially smart business opportunity to um, get back to a position where it can put out some interesting innovative designs so it is a little disappointing i think but it could be a smart business move yeah so luke has uh, made some extre- extremely uh, good points and and very similar to to what you said um un- unplanned it, yeah i mean it's he's, he's basically without me knowing what he was going to say he said exactly what we were going to say or what we did say so yeah i think maybe that is the general consensus that hcc has to do what it has to do to survive Yes, naturally, um, so indeed. Yeah, yeah no, I, I grabbed him on, on Wednesday. Um, so thanks very much to Luke Westaway from CNET um, for that external commentary on, on the topic. Um, but I want to give everyone the opportunity to get in touch and uh, and let us know your thoughts on all of this as ever. Um, I'd really like to get as many opinions as possible on this topic for next week so we can read out maybe quite a few of them. Um, so if you've got a, a short point you'd like to make, maybe just in a you know two or three sentences, podcast at natelangson.com um this is one i know we ask for feedback for individual topics all the time and you're always welcome to get in touch with anything but on this one particularly interested to hear your views um so we can sort of put a whole bunch together well that's going to do it for this week um one last quick thing that came in i just wanted to say thank you to matt who wrote in to point out that google play is launching podcasting in the u.s to uh so similar to what's um, been in, uh, say, iTunes for a little while. It's going to mean that basically Android users are going to have podcasting support natively within Google Play Music. Um, this is brilliant. I've been in touch with Google already. It's going to be US only when it rolls out. But safe to say, I am now in touch with them and we are talking about this. And uh, thank you very much to Matt for flagging that to me because I had not seen that um, until Matt emailed in. So thanks very much. That's awesome. That's only, that's only about 10 years too late, isn't it? It's a little bit late, but um, <laughs> better late than never, mate. Better late true, than never. True. So uh, thanks again for that, and do look forward to that. I think on, without anything else to say, Ian and I will see you all in one week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 